text of the message this morning is Matthew 5, verse 7, continuing on with the series on the, it's called the Beatitudes, or the blessed statements of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 5, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, imagine that you are on your way to visit a friend. That is kindness. You are going to visit him because your friend did something to harm you and you want to forgive their debt. That is grace. Well, while you're driving there, you get cut off by a crazy driver And although you have to slam on the brakes, you don't feel angry, and you keep on smiling. That is being easygoing. Then you see a car in the ditch. And although you don't know the person, and you have many other things written in your day planner for the day, you stop your car, you get out, and you proceed to spend the next few hours ensuring that the person is taken care of, their car is dealt with, your witness statements are given. That is mercy. Mercy is attending to the immediate needs of someone in distress. And when our Lord Jesus describes what the kingdom of heaven is like, he tells us that all its citizens are merciful. If you look at the the other Beatitudes, to see the characteristics. We could put it together to say understanding that we are all creatures who depend on God for life, poor in spirit, comforted by God's grace to us in our sins, those who mourn, recognizing that we receive much more than we deserve, the meek, and hungering and thirsting to walk in friendship with God, citizens of God's kingdom are compassionate and merciful to those in need of assistance. The desire for mercy that God so powerfully works in our hearts is evidence of his Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, the Holy Spirit leads the citizens of God's kingdom to show mercy. We'll see that the merciful are God's neighbors and good neighbors. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, placed in the most holy place in the center of the temple, stood as a sign and a remembrance of God's presence among his people. The law of God was placed inside the Ark that they served as a description of the righteousness of God's people, but also a witness against their sins and rebellion. The ark, the laws of God, the glory of God signified by the cherubim, those angels carved into the lid, they were a constant reminder to the people of God's holiness and their own sinfulness. The people of God could clearly see and be reminded that they had been fatally wounded by sin, that they were 
condemned to eternal punishment if God did not come to their aid in mercy. The clear gospel of the temple was that the Lord did not pass by on the other side of the road to leave sinners in their misery, but he himself made atonement for their sins. And this was pictured when the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled on the lid of the ark, the lid that stood between the holy law and the, the, the glorious cherubim above. And the sprinkling of blood pointed ahead to the sacrifice and to the righteousness of Christ, the Son of God, whom he sent to give aid to sinners. And that lid on which the blood was sprinkled was called the mercy seat. God had come to dwell among his people because he is merciful. And he wanted to rescue his creatures from the condemnation that they had plunged themselves into. Out of mercy, God reached into the fire and, and rescued us like you might grab a burning stick from the fire. When the Lord proclaimed his name to Moses, we, we heard about that last week when Moses was situated in the cleft of the rock. The first word that God used to describe himself was merciful. Over a third of the Psalms declare and celebrate God's mercy. And we sang several of them. When the triune God gives his blessing to the people, he says every Sunday, grace, mercy, and peace to you. God is the merciful neighbor to his people in misery. But when our Lord Jesus came, his work for us and in our place was not just dying on the cross, not just about the shedding of the blood, but also in obeying the commandments for us and in our place. The second table of the law, which calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves, it makes it clear that to live in righteousness, a person must be merciful. When we go through the Gospels, we see what Jesus is calling the citizens of his kingdom to do. When Jesus saw a person suffering from mental and physical ailments and guilt for sins, we read he had compassion, he had mercy. What he saw affected him right in the, in the very inside. That word for mercy, compassion, it points to a feeling right in the center of the, of the stomach that indicates genuine concern and empathy. Someone else's misery affected the Lord Jesus' heart. People called out to him for mercy. We read about that in Matthew 9. And when he healed them, he showed that God's mercy does not just include the, the healing of the body, but also the forgiveness of sins. He explained that he came as a physician to those who are sick, and that he had not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed 
and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He, he saw their immediate needs. And he showed mercy to the lost by calling them with the shepherd's voice, even as we might invite the unchurched to find the wisdom and receive understanding and hope and salvation from God. You know that feeling that you have inside when you see someone who does not know the Lord Jesus. But our Lord Jesus did not show partiality to race or to social standing. That's the, we remember when he talked to the Samaritan woman by the well. You can read about that in John chapter 4. He was even called a Samaritan himself. He was willing to associate with the outcasts of society. Even when he was being harmed by his enemy. Jesus had compassion and mercy. He prayed for his enemies while he was on the cross. And all he did, Jesus lived out. He fulfilled the mercy that was symbolized by the blood on the mercy seat so that we could know how God shows mercy to fallen creature, how he restores them to a place of dignity and well-being in his kingdom. You know, the gospel promise for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is that Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness for us and in our place. We often fail to show mercy as God has commanded us. In a classroom, it's been a while since the, you've been in a classroom, but maybe you remember back in the days when you used to go to a classroom. In a classroom, sometimes when, when people are together, someone does something that, that they find embarrassing. Maybe they knocked over their drink, or maybe they stumble over a chair. And you think about how you react. You think how often we don't show mercy. Maybe we laugh at them, add to the, the embarrassment. Instead of reaching out to to help them restore order and dignity. When we fail to show mercy, the Lord Jesus promises us that he has done that for us. We can turn to him in repentance. We can ask for forgiveness. You can see it also in our lives as we grow older. We often observe leaders very closely. We're, we're looking to see a failure. We're quick to to jump on it and criticize leaders for how they just bungle everything up. Well, it's very sad to see in our lives. When we reflect on how many times we fail to be merciful in our marriages, in our families, among siblings, brothers and sisters together, and in the church of, of Jesus Christ, and that is why we're so thankful to see Jesus' mercy to his neighbors. For he was showing this mercy for us and in our place so that in Christ we might be merciful before our Father in heaven, the God of all mercy. Even though we sin, there is forgiveness for those who repent and turn to Jesus Christ. The gospel 
of the Old Testament mercy seat is pronounced to everyone who turns to God in repentance. For in Christ he makes it possible for us to remain in his mercy. God is the merciful neighbor who bends down to wash our wounds and cleanse us from sin. We are the recipients of his mercy as he walks beside, beside us and protects us from harm. God restores our dignity. He gives us his spirit so that we may be equipped to show mercy to others. Sometimes, as people read Matthew 5, verse 7, they kind of twist the text to make it sound as if God's mercy toward us is conditional on our decision to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. People say it's as if God is waiting for us to take the first step of showing mercy and then blessing our good work by showing mercy to us. But the scriptures are very clear that we only love because God first loved us. The mercy uh, in, in the temple was, was the act of God as he took the first step. The Holy Spirit states explicitly in Romans 9 verse 16, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God promised mercy to his covenant people purely out of his grace and his good pleasure. God's mercy is first. His mercy changes our hearts. It opens our eyes to see what mercy really is. And then once we have been transferred from darkness to light, our Lord Jesus tells us to be merciful. And there's a parallel here between what Jesus teaches about the forgiveness of sins and what he teaches about mercy. He taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And as our willingness to forgive is evidence that God has forgiven us. So our desire to show mercy is evidence of God's mercy toward us. We show that we are God's neighbors when we show mercy to others as good neighbors. To think of good neighbors, we can think of the parable that we read in Luke chapter 10 parable of the Good Samaritan. It's one of the most well-known parables in all of scriptures. A lawyer who knows that he must love God and love his neighbor as himself asks Jesus who he should consider to be his neighbor. And in his parable, the Lord Jesus then switches it all around. And instead of giving him a list of people he should love as his neighbor, and thereby also a list of people who could, he could cross off the list, Jesus simply tells the lawyer that he was the neighbor, that he should consider himself as the neighbor. You must reflect the love of God and be merciful just as God is merciful. 
Luke 6, verse 36. If you are the neighbor to everyone you meet as God was, then everyone you meet is immediately the neighbor you must love. And how does Jesus explain how a neighbor distinguishes himself from people who don't live as neighbors? If you look at verse 37, you can see he pro you prove to be a neighbor when you show mercy to the person who is in need of assistance by helping them out. And in this context, our Lord Jesus gives us a good picture of what he means when he said, blessed are the merciful. The command to show mercy assumes the existence of human misery and suffering. It assumes that you come across someone who's suffering or in misery in some way. Showing mercy is giving attention to the immediate need that another person is suffering. And thereby showing mercy is an action. Rather than seeking retribution by chasing after the robbers or going to the judge to protest the injustice or the, the lack of safety on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, the Samaritan showed mercy by getting his hands dirty, by falling on his knees, by binding the wounds, giving the man who fell among the robbers a ride on his animal, bringing him to an inn, paying for all the costs that are involved. He dealt with the immediate needs. That is mercy. And you see, the fall into sin causes a lot of people to make bad decisions which leave them in many situations in which they are robbed of their dignity. And we see from Jesus' parable that showing mercy means getting on your knees and seeking to restore the dignity of the person who has been hurt by sin. If you look around in your life, sometimes it's little things just in your family between siblings. Sometimes it's a bigger concern there are a lot of bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. And merciful people will not pass by on the other side of the street to avoid danger or discomfort or costly service for themselves. Speaking of the certainty of judgment for those who don't show mercy, James asks, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. James asks, James 2 verse 16, what good is that? How is that mercy? How does that help? If you look at the parable, if you think about your own life, and often we do so, confessing our own sins and weaknesses, we know it's not hard <clears throat> to justify your decision not to help. It's not hard to justify that in your own mind. But it's a very difficult position to hold before the Lord Jesus in his teaching. It's very hard to defend not showing mercy to the Lord who commanded that he desired mercy, not sacrifice. 
He did that in the Old Testament in Hosea 6. He did it in the New Testament, Matthew 9. If you think about it, well, you might explain that the priest and the Levite, if they had shown mercy, they would have been ritually unclean. But we need to understand that it was not a sin to become ritually unclean. It, it was an inconvenience. But it was a sin to refuse to show mercy to someone in need. Often today, you hear people speaking, they call it bad stewardship. To help a person who may just be taking advantage of you. Imagine that. Or someone who, who might use your help for, for the wrong things. Or might just receive it and not even think about the gospel. And we say that's such bad stewardship. But when we understand that stewardship is using God's resources to serve in his kingdom. We see that refusing to show mercy is actually refusing to be a good steward. Psalm 109, it's a psalm that there's a lot of cursing of the wicked. They are those who do not remember to show kindness. They are those who pursue the poor and needy and the brokenhearted to put them to death. And those who refuse to show mercy are those who have betrayed Jesus Christ. Psalm 109 also points to Judas Iscariot in the New Testament. And if this is true for everyone you meet, including enemies and strangers, Samaritans for the Jews and Jews for the Samaritans, well, how much more for the household of faith? In the beginning part of Luke chapter 10, that chapter where we read about the Good Samaritan, the Lord Jesus is talking about the laborers in the harvest, and he explains how the laborers in the harvest needed to count on the mercy of the people whom they visited. And while they were in that town showing mercy by healing their sick and preaching the coming of the kingdom. And in this context, and you can read it at the beginning there, People who did not show mercy, who did not meet the needs of God's workers, were left with the dust of the messenger's feet and a promise that they would be punished with more severity than Sodom had been punished in the Old Testament when fire and brimstone fell from heaven upon them. We see that mercy is not something optional, something, something sweet that you add on. It's fundamental to the life of a Christian, reflecting God to your neighbor. And so in Matthew 25, the Lord explained that God will only invite those who show mercy to his brothers and sisters to inherit the kingdom prepared for them before the foundation of the world. You can read about that in Matthew 25, the very end of that chapter. And if you look at that chapter, you'll see that the, here, the Spirit explains very clearly what it means to show mercy to Jesus' brothers and sisters. And it's not hard to understand. He says, give food to the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, 
clothe the naked and visit the sick. Restore the dignity of the needy. Reach out to the distressed. And if this seems too much for you, because you can't stop thinking about the cost, you can't stop thinking about your own plans or your own convenience, it's clear that the promise of blessing that Jesus gives in our text is not one that you will enjoy. Jesus tells those who refuse to show mercy to fellow Christians that as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. A lack of mercy is a sign that the Holy Spirit is not reigning, ruling in your heart. If you see a lack of mercy in your life, it's a call to repentance, to, to get on your knees. And rather than being blessed, Jesus warns that on the day of judgment, the Son of Man will say to the unmerciful person who does not repent, and it's Matthew 25, verse 41, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. James warns in James 2, verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And in this context, we see very clearly the picture that Jesus gives of the kingdom of heaven, the picture that Jesus gives of his body, the church. We see the marked difference between the church and the world, between the merciful and the unmerciful. Only the merciful will be blessed by God. In God's kingdom, people care about the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of their brothers and sisters. Citizens of God's kingdom are good neighbors to everyone they meet in distress. Showing mercy is dying to your own plans so that you are willing to suffer inconvenience for the sake of others because you know that this is God's plan for you at that time. God placed the people you meet on your path each day, every day. Maybe they are people who always hated you, like the Jews and the Samaritans. Maybe they are people who, who frighten you because of their life choices or, or because of the way they have decided to, to adorn themselves. Maybe they are people who are undeserving because they put themselves into this place of misery. Well, that is Jesus' point. We don't pick and choose. We are the neighbor to everyone we meet, and we prove to be a good neighbor, God's neighbor, when we show mercy to miserable people. No one is too low. No one too dirty, too broken, too uncool in the classroom, too annoying in our family to help. It would not be mercy if they did not need your assistance. And so the next time you're in a classroom and someone spills something over, or a poor person on the street asks for some help, some mercy, 
Or you're driving down the road and, and a car is stuck in the ditch and you feel compelled to stop and help even though you might be on your way to something very, very important. It's a reminder of the blessing you have received in Jesus Christ. God has shown you mercy first. He gave you that desire, your feeling in your heart to, to pull over, to, to pick up whatever was knocked over, to, to pick a person up and put your arm around them, to, to buy someone a lunch. So you can be sure that you will receive mercy on the last day. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Amen.